You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. I'm James Whitmore and it's Sunday the 25th of April. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land this show is broadcast on, the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Aboriginal people have cared for this land and its waters since time immemorial. In today's show, we're going to hear about what climate change is doing to the tropical ocean life. And there's a new call to protect some sharks, some of Australia's most endangered and unique sharks and rays. But first, here's an announcement. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. We're already seeing the dramatic effects of climate change around the world, whether it's huge fires or extreme weather. But one place we don't always think of when we think of climate change is the part of the world that is already hot, the tropics. In recent years, we've found tropical marine life moving south to Sydney and Tasmania, and of course seen mass coral bleaching on the Great Barrier Reef. A big new study shows that this is all part of a global pattern. Tropical marine life is moving away from the equator as the seas warm up. And this has huge implications for people who depend on the seas in the tropics and marine life in more temperate waters. To tell us all about it, Dr. Chaya Chattery joins us from Germany, where she's a postdoctoral research fellow at the Goethe Institute. You found that um, species are declining in the tropics. Can you tell us about that finding and what that means? Yeah, thanks, Um, We studied the distribution of almost 50,000 marine animal species at a global scale. Um, That includes both open water species and seabed living species. Um, And we found that the species richness uh, uh, is declining at the tropics, where the average annual sea surface temperature exceeds 20 degrees centigrade. 
and this results uh, in a dip in the species richness at the equator. When we compare the distribution of uh, um, the species richness in different time periods, starting from 1955 to 2015, we found that um, since 1970s, the species richness has further declined at the equator relative to an increase in the subtropics. And we have also found that there is a shift uh, in the species richness in further north in the northern hemisphere, particularly among open water species. So basically, um, considering all these 50,000 species um, and their response uh, in the overall latitudinal gradient in their richness suggests that enough species have responded to climate warming, which is um, which in our case is from uh, 19 like in for 60 years and uh, and that is make this response is making a major shift in in their overall distribution so what does this mean for um tropical ecosystems that it can't be very good news that species are moving out of the tropics wholesale yes it's uh, it's it's quite alarming and, and especially with the speed that it it, it is happening um, and it i mean what we suspect is that these species are moving in like of course we have seen in the data that they are of course moving in the subtropics and that's where we have the highest species which like the peaks and and creating a, a dip at the equator um, and this would mean that the species are not going to extinct completely uh, in the, you know, in in these areas, especially in the tropical temperate zone. Or some might uh, die. This can also happen. We haven't particularly looked into that, like what exactly is happening there. But uh, definitely there is going to be a lot of competition in the cooler waters, especially in the temperate zone and in the higher latitudes, you know. So the species which are coming from the tropics, they, they are going to do compete for the food and the habitat uh, with the um, with the species in the in the temperate zone um, and the species from the temperate are also because we have seen are also moving in further further uh, like are also moving forwards so so there is going to be a complete shift in the in this in the types of species that we find now and what are we going to find in the future um, what I am more suspicious about is that in the poles, the species don't have anywhere to go to, so they mm. might go completely extinct, yes. Um, but the species in the tropics, we might not find them in the future, but they might be available somewhere in the cooler waters. Something that was really interesting in the article that you wrote, and this is on the, this is on the conversation, is this has happened before, and alarmingly... Um, one of the most significant cases was 250 million years ago um, in a mass extinction um, at the end of what's known as the Permian period when 90% of all marine life died out. Can you tell us what happened at this point in time? Uh, so the temperatures were very warm at this time and uh, they, they actually, uh, because it, there was a, um, there was almost like uh, global temperatures were warmed by like 10 degrees and it happened over like 30,000 to 60,000 years um, uh, and as a result of like greenhouse emissions from, from volcanic eruptions in Serbia and other parts of the world. So when this happened, so there was like a, a sudden increase, like of course it was a consistent increase over the time, but in the end, you know, the species 
did not survive probably because of high um, temperature and also like because of low oxygen as well so this is also one of the factors that that affect their their like their distribution and if they cannot tolerate they would just die or they move away from those areas this uh, this pattern that we are seeing you know the the change in the diversity patterns in marine species uh, is not something that is very new uh, and this has happened before as well in the past like uh, in uh, around, around like 125000 uh, years ago and um, and all like uh, where the corals were completely bleached out at the tropics because of like uh, when because of the global warming itself and in those times the temperatures were way more warmer than than today and this all started happening 140000 years ago when when the temperature was as warm as today so yeah so it, i mean this is something that has been happening and maybe it's the course of nature um but yes, for us, it is quite alarming at present because it is going to affect uh, many food industries and fisheries, especially in the tropical countries uh, where they might not find the same species. For example, tuna might move to the cooler waters. I mean, they're moving already and um, there is going to be a huge scarcity. It's quite to think of like how the future will turn out to be and what kind of species we will find in the equator because this is my personal prediction that it it can happen that there will be a population explosion for some species which are highly tolerant to these high temperatures and that might outcompete with the uh, with the species that are not so tolerant so and these species which are not so tolerant they might move or they might not move or they might die completely so we will face a lot of um, there will be extinction i mean there is the possibility of extinction or we can say mass extinction i i don't know but if that will be that that will be happening that fast but yes in the uh, in the distant future it is a possibility very much which is which is very alarming so what can we do about um the somewhat alarming findings that you've found in this study this has been um laid out in the um in the Pl uh, paris climate accords where almost like a uh, almost 41 41 nations have set a target of protecting 30 percent of the ocean by 2030 so this uh, by this uh, we mean that um they're going to be a ban in the seafloor mining and also removing fishing um, from the reserves and having more marine protected areas and also like less um, there is a target of like cutting out the greenhouse emissions. I just want to ask you one last question. What made you want to study the oceans? Um, that's a very interesting question. And um, basically, I'm, I am from India and I'm from... Uh, from the mountains near the Himalayas. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I had never, yes, yes, I'm, I'm a valley girl um, from India and I had never seen ocean in my life like until I was um, 24. And uh, when I was like 24 years of age, I, I visited Goa and I saw the sea for the first time and I was, I was just so intrigued by the... Um, by the intensity of the ocean and the openness 
then that day and i was doing my masters in environmental management that time and that's when i just decided that my heart lies in the ocean then i'm going to do something in, in related to marine species and the ocean i don't have any <laughs> really logical answer but it's just like the calling from my heart that i wanted to pursue this yeah well that's wonderful thank you for sharing um that story yeah that was dr jaya chattery from the goethe institute after the break, we're going to hear about why Australia's sharks need further protection. But first, here's a song. This is Baker Boy with Mariuna. I'm a proud black younger boy with the killer flow. Listen to the year that year, listen to it blow. For the boys, younger boys, all the way from Manum Land, they're a boy in the Janaputa, this is Nara Yungo Balandabugo. Tumur Irang and Yamachiko. Napukajate, Naputo, Ripuko, Walla Manguji, Makamana Pamir, Rip, Rip, Pumitiko. support community radio and your local music scene. We can't hear you. 
That was Baker Boy with Mariuna, and you're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR. When we think of sharks, we usually think of the big ones with the pointy teeth like great whites or tiger sharks. But Australia's sharks and rays come in a much greater variety than that. Australia has over 322 species of elasmobranchs. That's sharks, rays, skates, stingarees. Many of them are found nowhere else in the world, and sadly a number of them are in danger of becoming extinct. A new report from the Australian Marine Conservation Society looked at 10 threatened sharks and rays. Astonishingly, none of them are protected under national laws, and all of them are threatened by fishing. Dr Leonardo Guida, a shark scientist at the Society, joins us to tell us more. So Leonardo, one thing that struck me when reading about this study is that sharks and rays in Australia aren't just great white sharks and tiger sharks. There are a whole heap of other sharks and rays in our waters. Can you tell us a bit about the diversity of the species that are found around Australia? Sure, and you're 100% right. Um, Often when we think of sharks and rays, we typically think of like the big three, so like your white shark, your tiger shark, or your bull shark. But in fact, Australia's home to roughly a quarter of the world's shark and ray species. Um, so that works out to be about 322. And of those 322 of them, half of which aren't found anywhere else in the world but here in Australia. Um, and I suppose when you drill down into a bit more of the numbers, um, of the ones uh, that, that, that are uniquely Australian, so technically it's called endemic, so these means that when something's endemic, it's, it's found nowhere else but a particular spot. So we're talking about Australia here. And so when you look at these endemic true blue Aussie species, um, the majority of them, nearly 70% of them are actually rays. They're not, they're not sharks. Um, and about 39, 40% of them are sharks. So we have a vast array of species. Um, and most of these unique Aussie species actually live in the deep waters of Australia. So we're not, we're not, entirely aware of them and part of that is because they're so hard to get to they live really deep and and out of sight Mm -hmm. how threatened are these sharks that's a really really good question so um when we look at australia as a whole um in terms of our shark and ray species in general relative to the rest of the world we're in a pretty good spot but that doesn't mean that we don't have problems in our own backyard um and so when we look at our endemic species, what's particularly alarming is that on the southeastern portion of Australia, so you're looking at kind of like southernmost Queensland, right down the coast through to uh, far eastern Victoria, um, that spot there is actually an extinction risk hotspot. Sorry, an extinction risk hotspot, um, and Australia uh, is one of these 21 um, hot, 21 hotspots in the world. Now, what that means is that it's it's this one it's a particular spot where you not only have a range of species that aren't found anywhere else; they're particularly unique to a certain area. But these species are also recognised as threatened with extinction, and then on top of that, um, they're in areas where there's a high degree of, of interaction with with fishing activity. So, again, a lot of these species that we looked at in the report, they aren't found anywhere else in the world. And that southern eastern coast um, forms part of Australia's largest fishery. Um, and the kind of threats that they face are typically from trawling and, and deep sea longline hooks. So 
species like the white fin swell shark, which is critically endangered, uh, green-eyed spur dog, which is endangered. Again, these species aren't found anywhere else and they interact with our fisheries. And the reality is, is that if we can't save them or do something about them, then no one can. So can you tell us about some of these species? You mentioned just then the, the white fin swell shark, which is critically endangered, which I understand has some quite interesting behaviour. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it's part of a group of sharks called the swell sharks. Um, and basically what they do is, as the name suggests, is when they feel threatened, they'll actually swallow water and blow themselves up or swell up <laughs> so that they look a bit bigger and more threatening and also just harder to eat. Um, and so there's there's a range of other swell shark species and one another species is the draft board swell shark and this is probably one a lot of people um down in western port bay or port phillip bay have come across um and again this this animal has the same behavior but it's 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 sister species the white fin swell shark lives in waters up to 500 meters deep so it's a it's a deep it's a deeper water version of, of that kind of shark it's critically endangered um, and most alarming of all that I found about it is that there's no fishing rules in place to actually protect it. It's not listed as a protected species. Um, and on top of that, over the past 10 years, an average of about 1,300 of them each year are actually kept um, for consumption. And this could be for meat, for their cartilage, for their oils and so forth. So it's just a, it's just one incidence of a critically endangered animal that really needs our help. There are solutions, um, and if we get these in place, with, there's a bright future for them. Yeah, that was something that was extraordinary to me about this report. So this report looks at ten different species of threatened sharks, none of them protected under Australian law, um, and it's extraordinary to me that they're still caught in fisheries. Can you? And that here we're talking about the incredibly complex Australian fisheries industry. Can you just tell us about how that works and why these fish are still being caught? Sure, sure. So, under Australia's national environment law, a lot of these species that that are in this report aren't listed under as protected species. Um, that's not to say that some fisheries don't take measures in place to reduce the catch of them. That can still happen. In its simplest terms, a lot of these species aren't under national environment laws as protected species. What we've done at the Australian Marine Conservation Society, as well as with Humane Society International, is we've actually nominated to the federal government and said, look, here are some, these are the species that need to be protected under law. Much like you would protect any other endangered or critically endangered mammal or reptile. Um, and so species like the whitefin swell shark, uh, the grey skate and the longnose skate, these are just some of the species that we've nominated for protection under the environment law, and they're currently in the process now of being assessed. So we're hoping that um, come 2022, they're formally listed. Now, what that means is that as species, they can't be harvested and they'll have to be returned back to the water. So in the meantime, what we're asking the federal government to do and Australia's fisheries to do is when they catch species like the white fin swell shark or an angel shark, they're actually pretty hardy animals. They can, especially the white fin swell shark, it can actually put up with a fair bit. And if you throw it back in the water, there's a good chance that it'll survive. So we're asking fisheries uh, right now is that, look, irrespective of, I suppose, what happens under environmental law, acknowledge that these species are endangered and critically endangered. They've got, some of them have a really good chance of uh, survival if you throw them back. So when they are caught, make it under your fishing laws or fishing rules, these animals have to be thrown back as well. Mm. Um, 
And again, like we do have other solutions such as improving the technology that we fish with. So a lot of trawlers, for example, have what are called bycatch reduction devices. And these are technologies that you can put in and around the net that more or less um, allow the animals to escape being caught through escape hatches or other forms. So we're also asking that with the trawlers that are currently operating, that they improve their bycatch reduction technologies. Um, and one of these, in example, is what's called a Nordmore grid. And basically what that is, is that as an animal swims through, there's a grid in place which acts like a filter and they essentially bounce off that grid and out an escape chute. So there's technological improvements. There's improvements we can make under our environment laws. Um, and also there are other improvements such as um, continually training fishes on how to safely handle these animals so that not only are the fishes safe, but the animals are also kept in a reasonably healthy condition so that when they return to the water, they've got a better chance of survival. Mm. And so these are just some of the solutions that can be employed so that we can continually improve how we fish and fish sustainably. And with regards to bycatch, and in particular, these, you know, these unique Aussies that are threatened with extinction, they've got a pretty good chance of either escaping or at least surviving being caught. And something you raised just before is that some of the meat from these um, sharks and rays, when they're accidentally caught, makes its way into flake. So what can we do as consumers? What do we need to watch out for um, the next time we're at the fish and chip shop? Sure, sure. So the first thing you can do is have a conversation with the fish and chip shops themselves. Um, the reality is, is they... It's, it's not necessarily their fault. They don't necessarily know exactly what they're selling. And this goes back to species labelling, which is a bit of a separate issue. Um, but the point is, is that have that conversation with your fish and chip shop owner or where you get your seafood. Ask them if they can tell you exactly what species it is and where it comes from. Um, and the Australian Marine Conservation Society has a good fish app. And this app is available and it can tell you what's, what species are sustainably harvested. Um, so there's green listed species, which are cool. There's yellow, which is all right, maybe eat a bit less. Um, and there's red, which is avoid. And flake or shark meat falls into the red category purely because it's almost impossible to tell what species it is and where it comes from, um, let alone the fact that we've got species that end up in the, in the mix that we should try and stop catching or plucking from the water in the first place. So go to the fish and chip shop. But chances are they do have a sustainable alternative available for you. Um, and these range from things like um, Australian uh, uh, tailor or Aussie salmon, um, which isn't to be confused with the, the Tasmanian salmon, it's Australian salmon, it's a different species. Um, Spanish mackerel um, in certain areas, pink snapper like from Victoria. So there are popular options that are available for you to make a sustainable choice when you want to eat fish. And the great thing is, is that it still supports your local fish and chip shop or your seafood retailer it supports the local fishers who are doing a great job and fishing responsibly. And it also, by giving Flake a break, it also sends out a, 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 a consumer signal, if you want, from the public saying, look, we all acknowledge there's an issue here and it needs to be fixed. And in the meantime, we're going to choose these other sustainable options. Right. And by doing that and supporting, sorry, by doing that and also supporting AMCS and our, our shark campaign work as well, it, it's a way where people can have a voice and a say on how Australian fisheries operate and so that they're more sustainable in the future and that some of our most threatened species like sharks and rays are, are given the protection they deserve. If anyone wants to um, take action and, and throw their support behind protecting our unique and true blue Aussie sharks and rays, 
uh, they can visit sharkchampions.org.au forward slash Aussies. And we've got a petition there asking for the federal government to improve the protection of these species and also the way we fish into the future. That was Dr. Leonardo Guida from the Australian Marine Conservation Society. You can find out more about that study and about climate change in tropical oceans on our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. You can also listen to this show again and find out all our previous episodes. You can also follow our Facebook page for updates. And that's all we have time for. Thanks to all our guests and we'll see you next time.